welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. Quickly move on. You don't have a sense of humor this morning. (laughs) This series of messages, this this brief mini-series, it's a part of the larger series that we've been doing on choices that will revolutionize your life. And this is a mini-series that's going to be about three, maybe four messages on choosing to believe God is who he says he is. And, And the significance of that in your life. And dear ones, this is setting the stage because these are the four messages that's going to wrap up this series. And it's setting the stage for where we will be going this fall about the church being who the church is supposed to be in the community and and a church that that revolutionizes its community Dr. Tony Evans made a statement this week at one of our uh, special orders of the day in our business meeting he spoke to us for about 45 minutes. And if you don't know Dr. Evans, I cannot urge you enough to go on YouTube and listen to Dr. Tony Evans. He is one of the most current, relevant speakers in the kingdom of God that is alive right now today. And he made this statement. If the church is not going to have the power of God and be the healing element that it should be in the community, then take down your sign. Amen. Why would a bank put up a sign and open its doors if it doesn't have any money? Why would a physician put up a sign and have his doors open if he wasn't going to provide healing to his patients? And yet there are dozens, maybe we could say hundreds... I don't want to say thousands, but that may be the case of churches that have their signs up and their doors open, but they're just holding a holy huddle. Well, folks, we can't, at this time and this juncture of history, we cannot be church as usual. We must be the healing agent that God told his church to be. Go and preach the gospel to all creatures. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. In my name these signs shall follow them that believe.
Oh, you don't know what that says. He said, in my name you shall cast out devils. You shall speak with new tongues. Shall take up serpents. If you drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt you. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Folks, Jesus did not put a parenthetical statement in there. And that was until the New Testament is written. And then when the apostles all die, that's over with. Now the church just holds holy huddles until I come back. And just hang on till I come. In the meantime, everybody gets beat up by the devil, lives in depression, lives in despair, lives in hopelessness, lives in pain and sorrow and agony, and suffers until I come. Now, Jesus didn't put any kind of parenthetical statement in there. He said, this is what the church is to do. Go and preach to all creation. And while you're doing that, be the healing agent in the community where you live. Okay. Now, I gave you a little taste of the dessert. That's coming. We're going to talk about that this fall. Okay? Actually, we're going to talk about it from September to December. Why? Dear ones, I believe with all my heart. With all my heart, I believe we are standing right now, right this moment. Turn to your neighbor and say, He means right now. Right this moment, right now. Inside the borders of America. I'm speaking to the USA. So I'm talking to us as the USA church. Dear ones, we are at the moment of the greatest harvest in history. I meant what I posted on Facebook a couple of weeks ago. I don't believe America has to go to hell in a handbasket. I don't believe that this has to be the time of America's destruction. I don't believe it has to be that way. How come? Because God gave us an example in the book of Jonah. Nineveh, forget it. You're done. But God sent a prophet. And because they believed that prophet and repented, God allowed Nineveh to go on for another 70 years before destruction came. How come? Because God changed his mind? No. It was because the people changed their minds and their hearts so God could respond to them differently. And listen to me, church. America can fall on its face and repent and cry out to God. And God can withhold judgment because America changes her mind and her heart. And we can see the greatest revival in the history of mankind. Now, I don't know where you're at and where your heart is, but that's my heart. I refuse to limp into heaven. I want to hit heaven, tear up hell, and make Satan regret I ever lived. I don't want to have happen what happened to the sons of Sceva. I know Jesus. I know Paul. Who in the world are you? 
I want all of hell and every demon in hell to know, Dean Hackett, stay away from him. That guy is tearing it up. And I don't mean to make a name for myself. I want to plunder hell to populate heaven. I refuse to allow Hermiston to go to hell as long as I'm living and breathing. Someone asked me a few days ago and said, Dean, when are you going to retire? As if I was getting older than dirt. <laughs> that's not me, that's Reagan. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, I'm in trouble. We have an elder meeting on Tuesday. I'm in trouble, aren't I? Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, listen, I, I, I looked at him and I said, I, it's not on my radar. I'm having way too much fun. Folks, truly, I, I'm, not, I'm not joking. I'm not giving you religious speak this morning. When I tell you, I truly believe this is the time for the greatest harvest. I came to Jesus during the Jesus people revival. And then I got to preach and minister through the charismatic renewal. And that was a time when it was like shooting fish in a barrel, man. I mean, I, I would go to the park and I'd strum guitar and sing a little bit. And I'm not a guitarist. I'd just strum a little bit. I'd sing and I'd preach and people would get saved. I mean, it was a time... And, and all over America, there were young men and women that were just radical for God. And they weren't looking for, well, what's the salary package? I, I can tell you, in 47 years of preaching the gospel, I have never said to a church, well, what's the package? It was always one question. God, are you sending me? Because I knew if God was sending me, I didn't have to worry about finance, salary, and all that. God would take care of me. It was, God, are you sending me? And that's how, that's how my generation was. And I'm telling you, young people, listen to me. This is your time. This is the time to let Holy Ghost awaken your heart and know this is your time. We are on the verge of the greatest revival in the history of mankind because this is the time of Joel 2.28, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's going on all around the world. All around the world, it's going on. And I'm telling you, it's coming to America. It's going to hit America because there are enough of us that are saying enough is enough. Enough. There's no answers inside any kind of political system. There's no answers inside any kind of social engineering. There are no answers inside the medical field, the psychological field. The answer is found in only one place. We've got to have a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Another day of Pentecost poured out. And this is our time. This is our day. Young people, join me. Let's tear it up for God. And by the way, you old men and women, you could join us too. But I, I'm serious. I am looking for men and women 18 years and older who will say, Dean, I want to be a part. I want to tear it up for me. I want to preach the gospel. I want to make Jesus the greatest thing in all the world. I'm not looking for promotion. I'm not looking for title. I'm not looking for position. I just want to do something for Almighty God that makes a difference. I wonder if I'm going to get to my sermon. 
you know what? The only way that's going to happen is we really do have to believe God is really who he says he is. See, I, I, I'm one of those really crazy, unusual guys. Even though I've got a BA and an and, and, and MD and an MTH or an MD and MM and a PhD after my name, all those crazy letters, I still believe real simply the Bible is God's holy word and it means exactly what it says. Amen. And there are tons of things in the scripture I can't explain. You've heard me say it before. If I could explain my God, he's way too small. If this little mind can understand him, oh, he's not big enough. i got to have a God that I can't explain. And if he really is that big of a God, and he really is, then why should it shock us that in his holy word, he says things that boggle our mind and we can't fully understand why would that shock us? Wouldn't you expect that? If he's an omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God, and he is, then why should we be shocked that he says things in his word that we can't figure out with our peanut brain? Yeah. That shouldn't shock us. In fact... If you could take God's word and understand every bit of it, it's probably not God's word. Does that make sense to you? See, I just believe it really is really, really simple. And the more I studied God's word, and the more degrees I got behind my name, the more I realized it's God's word, just take it at face value. I'll never forget. And early in my early in my work, I was I was going to do a doctoral degree in psychology, and uh, it got got in one of my prayer times, waiting on the Lord, just meditating on His word. I heard these words. So, how do you counsel a demon? I thought, what is what does that mean? And I, I kind of passed it off and continued. And then it came back to me again, and I realized, oh, wait a minute. So I said, okay, God. I pushed back my chair, got on my knees. I said, okay, God, what do you say to me? He says, I want to know, how do you counsel a demon? How do you answer that? I said, I don't think you do. I think you just cast it out. And he said, so are you going to believe Freud and Rogers and Maurer and Glasser? Or are you going to believe me? I said, sir, yes, sir. I did. I said, sir, yes, sir. I believe you. I believe you. I changed the direction of my study. I thought, okay, I don't need to be studying psychology. I got to learn as much about God as I possibly can. And that's why, that's why I went into applied theology. Applied theology. Because I, I 
could care less if I could explain the Trinity. And you can't, by the way. I wanted to be able to take the Word of God and apply it to a rape victim sitting before me. I wanted to be able to take the Word of God and apply it to the heart of a young person whose family was blowing apart. I want to be able to take the word of God and sit with someone who was really struggling and in pain. And you understand what I'm saying? See, I wanted to be able to help people know God really is who he says he is. That's what I want to be able to do. And that's what I'm wanting to do with this mini-series with you. Go with me if you have your Holy Scriptures to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. I'd like to read just two simple verses out of this chapter. Then we're going to go to the Old Testament. Hebrews chapter 11. It's in the New Testament. You're going to go past Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You're going to go past Acts and Romans 1, 2 Corinthians. You're going to go past all of the 1, 2, and 3. Let's start with T. Thessalonians, Timothy, Titus. <laughs> okay. And you're going to find Hebrews. Chapter 11. We're going to read 5 and 6. Hebrews chapter 11, 5 and 6. When you get there, holler amen. amen. Everybody there? Amen. I'll give you a second longer. Everybody there? Okay. Beginning at 5. By faith Enoch... When he was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, in case you're not familiar with this guy, Enoch. Enoch's an amazing guy. He so loved God and fellowship with God and God was so enjoying his fellowship one day, God just said, come on up here. Just come on up here. And Enoch walked off the earth into heaven. <laughs> Hang on to that little nugget. We're going to come back there in a minute. What do the next words say? What does the next word say in your Bible? Does it say, but without faith? It's impossible to please God. Enoch pleased God. That was his testimony. He pleased God. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. See, some of you are struggling with your walk with God because you are not yet convinced fully that God is exactly who he says he is. He is exactly who he says he is. When God says, I so love the world, 
That's exactly who God is. He loves you. Well, why would he love me? Because he loves you. But why would he love me? Because he loves you. But I am so stopped. God's love is not based upon what you look like, what you have done, what you have not done. God's love for you is based on the fact he loves you. But how he loves you. But he loves you. Take out that B-U-T and just let your heart believe God is exactly who he says he is. He loves you. Now, does that boggle your mind? It should. I mean, he is creator of heaven and earth. He is the one that sustains all of creation. He knows every star and calls them by name. Think of that. How many stars out there? And he calls them by name. And yet, he calls me by name. He calls you by name. He calls you by name. Rodney, he knows your address. He doesn't need your address. He just sees you. He knows you by name. He knows you by name. He knows every one of you by name. And yet he... And he loves you personally. And yet, does that boggle your mind? Boggles mine. He's exactly who he says he is. But we have to believe that. And believe not only is God who he says he is, but he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now hang on to that for a moment and go with me to the book of Exodus. Now we're going all the way back to the Old Testament, the second book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Everybody there? Holler amen. Amen. Okay. We're going to begin again at verse 5. Okay. Chapter 3, verse 5. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I've surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him God wants you to believe he is exactly who he says he is that he is all of that that created creation he really is he has all of that But he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
See, God wants you to believe he is intimately acquainted with you personally. We discovered last week, King David said, there's never a moment you're out of his thoughts. Psalm 139, 17. How great are thy thoughts unto me, O Lord. How vast are the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sands of the sea. And I love this. When I awake, I am still with you. Why would David say that? I was meditating on that one day and thought, that doesn't seem like it fits. He's talking about how we're never outside of God's thoughts. And then he says, and when I awake, I'm still with you. And then I thought, oh yeah, because when does our worry hit us the most? When you want to go to sleep. Am I right? You want to go to sleep. You lay down, put your head on your pillow, you shut out the light. And all these thoughts start going through. Oh, it's not going to work. Oh, it's going to fail. Oh, I'm going to go bankrupt. Oh, and all those negative thoughts start running through your mind. Am I the only one in the room? It's all there. And they start, and the, and and your mind starts whirling, and you can't go to sleep. You get up and you take some chamomile. You go and you lay down, and your mind's still going because you're worrying. And that's why the psalmist said, sorrow may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. How come? Because when you wake up, you're still in his presence. He is still with you. He's walking with you. Amen? Amen. Now, convince your heart and mind of that at night when you're asleep, (laughs) trying to sleep. And you can't go to sleep. And your mind is worrying. How's this going to work out? Wow. Somehow we have to learn what Smith Wigglesworth learned. When in the middle of the night he was awoken and he looked at the foot of his bed and literally Lucifer was standing there. And he looked at him and says, oh, it's just you. And he turned his head over and went back to sleep. Come on. Come on. That's just you. No big deal. You're never out of his thoughts. You're, say it with me, would you please, the blue? You're never out of his sight. Say it again. You're never out of his sight. That's why the prophet Hanani said to King Asa, the eyes of the Lord are ever going to and fro across the earth looking for the righteous ones to whom he can show himself mighty. God sees you. Isaiah said it this way, when I go through the fire, I'll not be burned. When the floodwaters come, I will not drown. How come? Because God said, I call you by name. We're never out of his thoughts. We're never out of his sight. And we are, say it with me, never out of his hearing. 
He promised Jeremiah 29. You know this passage of Scripture when God said, I know the thoughts I have for you to to prosper you and to give you hope. Amen? But he didn't stop there. He went on and he said, and if you cry out to me, I will hear you. I'll hear you. I not only think of you, I not only see you, I will hear your cry. Dear ones, listen. There is never a day that you're out of God's care. There's never a day you're out of God's care. There's never a moment you're out of God's care. Never, never, ever, ever. Listen to me. Never, never. And I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Those are the words of Jesus. Did you know that? I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. I want to read you, though, the next verse in Exodus chapter 3. Are you still there, perchance? Are you still there, Exodus chapter 3? Look at verse 8. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians... And to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and any other ite that may be. Oh, that was my statement. I'm sorry. So I came down to deliver them and to bring them to a good land and a large land. And God's talking to Moses. This is Moses at the burning bush. Now next week I I want to talk with you about God being who he says he is and that he works through ordinary people. But right now, I I want you to grasp the reality of what God was saying to Moses. And this is what distinguishes our God from all other gods of the world. Moses, I've seen and I've heard And so I came. We are so blessed that you join us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541-567-4486 or email us at info at winacity.com.